This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex will answer the phone, and uh, just give him your first name, and we'll go from there. And, Megan, on your drive, you live in Illinois, so it was kind of a, a little bit of a drive for you to get here to work. Did you see any damage yourself on the way in? No. It, it's amazing. We... We live in an area, it would just skirted us. We were watching, you know, the huge squall line that came through about 8.30, and it did. I mean, just by a few miles, because we only live about six miles, probably, from the Amazon Fulfillment Center. Whoa. Yeah, now I do have a, a friend who lives in Edwardsville, much closer. She's probably about three miles away from that facility, and she said there was debris all over their neighborhood. Oh, my god. Now, goodness. whether they know it's from that or not, but just, you know, incredible debris. Um, you know, I'm kind of amazed we haven't heard more just of the typical storm damage. But I, I it's probably just because it's overshadowed by the tragedy that we had there in Edwardsville. Right. Um, but, n- no, um, we were very, very fortunate last night. Yeah, I was surprised that there was no downed trees or even major branches off trees. It was kind of incredible. You know, as I drove yeah. from South City, but I didn't drive around. But I thought surely there's going to be some, but I didn't see any. Yeah, I was expecting branches and things like that right. down. And and from what I saw, like friends post on Facebook, it was more uh, construction debris and roof tiles <laughs> and stuff like that. So, Yuck. yeah. <laughs> well, well, great. Well, I'm glad nothing happened in your direction. Yes, we were very, very fortunate. Great. Perfect. Yes, this is Saturday morning, and we're going to have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And do you need to be doing anything? Do you have to be worrying about anything in the outdoors? Or how about with your houseplants, your tropicals and things like that? Should you be doing anything at all in the outdoors when we've got crazy weather like this? 30, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 25, 30. And this wind that last night was unbelievable. Some of those gusts, I think, were up to 40 miles an hour. And, man, when they came roaring up through Christie Park, which is right across the street from us, it was like, woo-wee. It was amazing. Our home is, was built in 1949, the same year I was born. And uh, some of the windows, original windows and everything, they, you could see the windows were going, I can't take this. But anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer some suggestions and decisions and my thoughts and everything else. 
and uh, help you out with whatever's going on in your plant world. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me over. And uh, this time of year, it's a holiday season, but uh, if you still have any questions, give us a call. And if you'd like to give somebody a gift certificate for a holiday gift, you can email me, and I can email you a gift certificate back if you'd like that. By the way, I'm Mike Miller, and I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Alex is producing, meaning he answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else. And if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a landscape consultation, a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. The stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. We had, last night, I don't know exactly the time, but I mean, it was like a massive rainfall sheets and for about 15 minutes it was unbelievable it was like there was no rain at all that i saw then it was poured for that 15 minutes and then it was turned off immediately and i don't think there was any more rain after that at all and what it did is it left some puddles in the street and as i went for my uh good gardening stroll i heard jingle bells wind chimes across the street Leaves are blowing from trees from far away. Like I could tell they were because the leaves didn't match any of the trees that were growing in this particular area where I was. The redbud seeds were wiggling. They were shivering in the gust. And there's a rock-edged sign that says, This is Holly Hills Community Garden, Gateway Greening, and Holly Hills Improvement. And multiple clumps of miscanthus and pampas grasses Boy, they were weaving in the wind and waving at all the cars that went by down Bates. Individual plots, there was a lot of them that were double-sized, which I don't remember seeing that, you know, the last time I was uh, at the community garden there. Many of them with fences of various types and gates also. One had a plot named Finney Farm, so people are naming their plots even. The lawn was mowed. I didn't see the picnic table, which was usually back by the tool shed, so maybe they stored it away for wintertime. There was a few herbs that were reaching out saying, touch me if you want to have a nice fragrance. And gusting winds had (laughs) an inflatable Santa, which was right across the street as well. He was laying down. I think he's with a dog. I couldn't tell. When I take my good gardening stroll, it is so dark. Thank goodness for street trees. No, not street trees, street lights. And uh, it was either, I think it was a dog, but Poor Santa was up and down and up and down. He must have been exhausted from the night that he had. But he still kept waving. He was still happy. And and boy, oh, boy, it was getting a little bit later. So it was about uh, 6.45. So I thought, well, better get into the car and head towards KMOX. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. How about any damage to your landscape, to your trees and things like that? Uh, You can give a call, find out what you need to do. Do you need to worry about it? Or the leaves that are piled up. I mean... It is unbelievable the amount of leaves that can just all of a sudden come from who knows where. Like uh, the community garden I was at, the Holly Hills. 
some of those leaves, I could tell they were oak tree leaves, and they're really large ones, and there's no really nearby close oak trees that would have that type. They were white oaks, actually, so it was there was some red oaks close by, but, you know, it's just amazing where leaves just keep going and going and going. But anyway, let's head to the phones, and let's go over to Jason's yard. Hi, Jason. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. I've got some white pines that I have put in and uh, trying to get them established. Obviously, probably don't need to water them today, but I know that they need water while they're young. I've read online, okay, give an inch or two of water. I really, I, I don't know exactly how to measure that. I've got a, a rain style tip on the end of my hose. I know it takes about 30 seconds to fill up a five gallon bucket of water and I don't want to run a sprinkler. So what's your advice on, you know, how much water does a, a new white pine need and well, for how long? You have to be really careful because if, uh, depending upon the soil, even though the soils have been improved right around the root system and everything else, if it's heavy clay soil, it's like a, you know, a pot that doesn't let the water migrate away. So just watch out about that. But I would say, you know, I don't. I remember you've called before related to these, but uh, I would say a couple gallons every few, you know, about every five to seven days that we don't have any rainfall at all. That's all you need to do. Okay, that's that's great. And two of these I planted. I don't know. Maybe one is twelve feet away from a stump of a tree that died five years ago, and I'm about twelve feet away from a stump that died last year. Do you think that's fine? Well, the one died last year. Those that root system is going to stay viable for a couple of years. Each year, getting less and less viable. So you just have to watch out about that. So I mean, that would be certainly something to think about because those roots are still going to continue to absorb nutrients and moisture, and consequently, that's going to take away from the white pine trying to get itself established. Okay. Well, at least it's blocking something I don't want to look at for now. So I'll I'll take the risk. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Last night I was really surprised. I was sitting in the living room just kind of looking out the window, and I saw a flash of light in the distance. I I told Tracy, I said, oh, lightning strike, because I knew it was supposed to rain, but I didn't know if it was going to, you know, what kind of rain it was going to be. And then I heard a little bit of rumble in the distance. So, when lightning strikes, I mean, first, you got to be careful when you're out in a situation where there is some lightning strikes because there's about uh, 100 throughout the entire United States, over 100 people get killed by uh, injuries from lightning striking them. So just be cautious and careful when you're outside. And lightning also, it's really is a very interesting situation. Thunder is good. Thunder is impressive. But it is lightning that does the work, and that's according to Mark Twain. And what it is, as water droplets collide in the atmosphere, electrons, which who, who knows what electrons are, but anyway, are knocked free, creating an electrical field above the earth, and that strong positive force uh, is on the ground. And what that does is really causes you know, lightning to actually occur. And atmospheric nitrogen, which when you put fertilizer and, or just in a natural occurrence cir- circumstance, nitrogen only stays in the ground for a few days after you spread the fertilizer. Consequently, after that, what happens is it becomes a gas and heads up into the sky. Atmospheric nitrogen, lightning breaks apart these nitrogen molecules 
enabling the atoms to combine with the oxygen and they form oxides, nitrogen oxides, and that dissolves in water. And then when a false earth, what is it? Well, basically, that's it's sort of like fertilizing, you know, down from the sky, very light, you know, not a heavy duty amount of nitrogen or anything else. But that's why a lot of times this time of year it's a little bit tough to tell because there is not that much plant growth or foliage or anything else as a result of that. But uh, that's why after lightning storms, the plant material that uh, would have foliage would be brighter and shinier. It's not just necessarily because it's clean. It's because it got a little bit of nitrogen falling from the sky. So that's the lightning thing. I just love, I forget where I found this article, but I love that quote from Mark Twain. Thunder is good, thunder is impressive, but lightning is what does the work. So I didn't know Mark Twain was really into the outdoors all that much, but obviously he is. And uh, this time of year, when you're with your own landscape, you should be watching stuff pretty carefully because you don't want a whole lot of debris left over because it could be harboring some possible you know, problems. So if you've got perennials or vegetable gardens or things like that, and uh, just get all that debris cleaned up. Any kind of fall-blooming things, just don't bother removing that. But anything that has sort of like, let's say, collapsed, go ahead and cut it. We have recycling uh, as far as yard waste dumpsters in the city and if you have one or if you have a compost pile or your you yourself you can do that or you know i don't know what you do if you don't have that i guess you just put it in the regular trash but that's an unfortunate thing and so just make sure that you're being real conscious because harboring diseases and you know insects is something that can really kind of really happen as a result of just debris piled up on top of, you know, whatever, even on the ground. Because you say, well, the ground, what difference does that make? Well, it just becomes a place for your, uh, you know, problems to actually occur. So if you're going to do any mulching, you still have plenty of time to do some mulching. You actually still have time to do some planting. If you want to head out and get, let's say, a live Christmas tree, not a cut tree, a live tree, bring it inside, probably leave it inside no more than a few you know, a few days and then take it outside, have the hole already, and you can plant it. But anytime you're going to be planting in the outdoors, any kind of plant material, just make sure you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80% is deep. And you say, why does he keep saying that? Because I go to people's homes many times and I find that they have not really planted properly. And that could have happen you know, that could have a bad impact on your uh, your plant in general. Because if you plant them at grade, then they're going to sink because that just that's naturally what happens as a result of that. So, and uh, that's when uh, you say, wonder why this plant died, whether it be tree shrub, perennial, or anything else. That's because it's sunk and it's not one that can handle a whole lot of moisture or water. So just keep that in mind. You're, this is a time of year if you have some of the hybrid roses, the grandiflores, floribundas, all those types of things. Uh, you want to mulch over the crown, that graft, about six or eight inches on a mound. So consequently, you got to you know get that stuff taken care of. And plants are headed towards dormancy, so don't fertilize at all. But as I told Jason in the, earlier, guess what? If we get dry periods like we have, consequently, 
the plants really start, even well-established plants, but certainly newly installed plants, can really suffer some damage as a result of not having the moisture. One of the things is just a physical circumstance because really dry soil will have a lot of air pockets in it. Consequently, when we do start having the cold airs, then it's going to sink into the ground and start doing some damage to the feeder roots, which are feeder roots are different than, let's say, the big roots that we know about. Feeder roots are like root hairs, and cold weather, cold grounds can have damage to them. Well, let's head now over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, a couple questions. Uh, I know I've heard you uh, say before about, you know, if the, the, the foliage is green, you know what I'm saying, on the, on the plant material? Right. Then, you know, you should let that go to establish the root system. And we have uh, uh, some coreopus and liriope, and they're both very, very green. And so do I cut those back now or let it go? Or I would say just leave them alone. I mean, they're going to go, the liriope is going to head, you know, towards dormancy, and the coreopsis is going to do the same thing. So there's no reason to rush out there and do it. There's going to be, we know how screwy our weather is. There's going to be right. plenty of days when it's warm. And you can go out there and do it at that time, but uh, just leave it alone because it's just going to help build up the root system for the future on both. Well, I thought that's what you had said. That's why I was hesitant to do it. So, how, I, with the, like you say, I think Wednesday is going to be 71. <laughs> right. Uh, so how long do I wait? I mean, till I see them going downhill or something well, or fading? To, or? Yeah, you'll start to see them turn brownish. And then okay, you and then uh, on the liriope, uh, how... Uh, four inches from the ground level, trim back, or what distance? Yeah, that's probably a good amount. And, and what about the coreopus? Uh, same type thing. Just leave some stem, and uh, that's basically what you need to do. So four or five inches. Right. All right, thanks a million, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, it's just you're just kind of leaving some stems, not only to let you know, well, with a liriope, whether it's clump growing or, or ground cover type, you can actually set, if it's a big area of them, you can set your mower blades high and just mow over the top of it. And I sort of recommend that a lot of times. If your liriope, because it is shade tolerant, is growing underneath trees, if you get a lot of leaf debris, it's pretty tough stuff, I have to admit. But uh, there's nothing wrong with going over the top of it when all the leaves have fallen or the majority of them have fallen and just chopping up those leaves and just letting it stay you know, in place because it's going to finally work its way down to the soil surface and then invigorate the soil because in reality, the leaves that fall from trees are a slight, very subtle, you know, fertilizer in and of themselves because as nutrients and moisture come up through the tree trunk and veins and everything else, uh, it, they end up in the leaves. And then when the leaves fall, there is a slight amount of those nutrients that were absorbed up through the whole the plant material, and uh, when it falls in, it you know has a situation where it can work for you to the advantage. If you do just chop them up on your lawn, I'd say be very cautious. You can mulch your leaves that have fallen on your lawn, but if you look back as you run over, even if you have a mulchy mower, and you look back and you can't see any of the grass blades at all, I'd be real cautious about that because, again, related to our weather circumstance, and whether it's cool season or warm season grass, the humidity as a result of having leaves, even if you don't mow them, if 
can be really bad, and that can cause fungus problems. As we know, many people have fungus. Mike Miller, K and Morris Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over and see what's going on in Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Good morning. I have two questions. Uh, the first one is uh, regarding some hypericum that we planted in our front yard two years ago at your recommendation. They're, they're really doing well. They're, some of the shoots are probably three foot tall. Ooh. And like, like your previous caller, they're still nice and green. Right. Uh, how do, what do I do uh, as far as cutting them back or uh, preparing them for the cold winter? I would say That's just leave them alone. Question. You know, as long as they look okay aesthetically, then, you know, don't do anything at all to them. So hypericum is really kind of the very unique plant in general. There's some people that have some hypericum ground covers that only get about four to six inches high, and the top three or four inches are yellowish. And that's just, you know, just winterized color. So I'm not saying yours are going to turn yellow, but uh, as long as you you can handle it, you can go ahead and just leave them alone. If you decide, eh, you know, the, go ahead, you can cut them if you want and cut them back about uh, to 10 to 12 inches, and that would be as low as I'd go. Okay. My second question is, uh, before uh, the street cleaners came, I was able to uh, shred uh, four yard waste bags of leaves. So I have some really nice shredded, um, dr- you know, dry leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you would you use those to let them kind of decompose over the winter, or would you spread them in the garden and just spread a thin layer? Uh, you know, around all the hostas and all the other plants. It's your choice because hostas' natural habitat is underneath trees, so consequently that means they are where leaves fall. And in their native land, which is Japan, then people generally are just going to let the leaves lay there. So you could do it either way, however you want to do it. It's, a, you know, kind of personal choice as much as anything. When I, all right. And, Mike, I have one recommendation for all your listeners. I've uh, I've discovered a new gardening program on cable, and uh, and I've come become quite addicted to it. And it's called Gardener's World, with uh, Monty Don as the host. And if anybody has a chance to watch it, it's uh, it's uh, an hour's worth of fascinating gardening uh, that takes place in the UK. And I'm sure they'd enjoy it. Well, Gardener's World. That sounds great. Well, thanks a lot for the insight. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for your show and your help. Sure. And I was going to say, I worked, uh, when I was at the Botanical Garden, my area of expertise four to the five years that I was there was English Woodland Garden. And what I did is, you know, basically as the leaves were all gathered up, now they were stockpiled more or less, not technically composted, but just all the fallen leaves were brought from gathered up all over the lawn areas across the botanical garden and big piles of them. Then I would take those, some of those leaves myself back up to the woodland garden, and I'd put about three or four inches of just a shredded leaves, which were, you know, as a result of the machinery of picking it up, uh, you know, across the woodland garden. 
It's, I didn't put it on the pathways or anything else like that. And uh, that's just what I did for the first four years or so that I you know, worked at the Botanical Garden. And that's kind of how I spent my winter time was doing that because I didn't really want to go back down and hang out in the sheds and sharpen tools and stuff like that. I wasn't so much into that. Well, let's head over to Letty's yard. Hi, Letty. Hello. Hi. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Uh, if I have the opportunity or if you get the opportunity to get some bulbs on clearance, is there any way, if you can't get them planted, is there any way you can save them over the winter and plant them next year? Well, uh, saving them over the winter, certainly. I mean, if you're getting them at a reduced price, just make sure that uh, you have them in a dry situation. Don't store them in any kind of plastic whatsoever. No plastic bags, no rubber-made tubs, nothing like that. Put them in paper and lay, you know, put some layers of paper in between and just check them about once every month or so through the entire wintertime and see if you know they're still in good shape, they're still firm, they're not soft, they don't smell. And uh, then consequently what you can do is if you want to try to hold them all the way until next fall or next August is when you can start planting, you can do that or if you want to, maybe just try planting them in the spring and see what happens as a result of that. So you're probably okay. not going to get any flowers off of them, but you may get some foliage. So you have the okay. option of holding on to them if you like or not. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Have a good day. You do the very same thing. But with it, you know, any of the bulbs, you can still get them planted this time of year because the ground is not frozen yet. So you got an opportunity for... You know, as long as the area is well-drained, that's what bulbs really need. If a situation where water piles or, you know, let's say, air moisture sort of, let's say, stays around too long, makes puddles and things, then that's not a spot where you want to put any kind of bulb whatsoever. So just kind of stay away from that. But you still got the opportunity to get them in the ground. So you could, you know, if you get a good price and you want to try it, you could do something like that. And speaking of bulbs, there's a Tracy and I, whenever we go shopping, we see certain things. She always points things out, or I see them myself. But the amaryllis bulb, this is a time of year when the amaryllis, you can get them and you can have them flowering within, a, you know, about, a, oh, four weeks or so after you, you know, get them in the pot and get the potting mix, you know, which is not technically a potting mix, but a growing medium. And then, you know, get it moisturized. And then what you're going to see first is the flower stalk shooting up. Then as the flowers open up, then you're going to start to see the leaves coming. And then when it's finished flowering, then at that time, you're going to just cut the flower stalk off and let the foliage build up the bulb for the future. Let's head over now to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Good morning. Hi. Um, I am the unlucky recipient of some shotgun fungus on my mm. uh, siding, yeah, um, from two summers ago. I have gotten rid of my flower beds, and I'm doing bulbs and flowers in pots now. It's a little easier for me. And I, I would like to put some mulch down, so I, I, don't, I want to avoid the fungus again, so I'm looking for an alternative to the wood. Um, would pine needle mulch work, or would that still have the fungus? No, that won't have the fungus. Really, the fungus doesn't occur just because it's wood mulch. It occurs because of whoever you know, put the mulch down or wherever you purchased it or whatever, it wasn't, let's say, mulched correctly. 
It wasn't rotated. It wasn't done properly, and that's what caused the shotgun fungus. So in oh. other words, it's not inherently in your ground. It's not inherently with mulch in general. It's just with this particular mulch that you had. Okay. I Thank you. I've learned something today. Uh, would the pine needles be less likely to um, create that fungus? Well, they're not, you know, because... The depth and everything else is going to be a factor. I don't know how many pine needles you have, but, yeah, generally something that acidic is not going to create that shotgun fungus. And that stuff is really wild and crazy. The fungus? Yeah. Oh, tell me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) For people that don't know this, it's a fungus that actually shoots, you know, they're shooting their spores. And then if you have it up close to your house and it gets stuck to the siding of your house and everything else, and it's just little like dots, but still, it's really kind of an aggravating circumstance. Yes, it is. Uh, Okay, so the pine needles would work? Right. Okay, then I shall do that, and uh, I thank you for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. But again, the situation is if your mulch is done properly, rotated, turned, and everything else, It doesn't have the ability to have the shotgun mulch in it. Also, another situation is wherever you get the mulch, just make sure that the company tests it for any kind of fungus problem at all. And that way you're basically assured of not having any kind of problems. So that's kind of what the whole situation is about. But that shotgun mulch is first time I saw that, which was it's been several years ago. But I thought, what is this? And then I you know, kind of went back and I told him, I said, let me find out because I'm not exactly sure what's causing this. I thought I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I did some research and then found out that it was a shotgun mulch. So let's go now over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call this morning. Sure. Hey, um, I got a question for you. I, I think I've heard you say this over the last uh, couple of weeks, but... Uh, Right at the beginning of the pandemic, my wife and I were doing some yard work and the, trying to upgrade some things, and we planted a couple of limelight hydrangea bushes. And first year did okay. This last uh, summer season, they were beautiful. They were big, bushy, white balls of, uh, of flowers and uh, just did really, really well. Uh, the question, though, that I have, and I've heard you talk about this, is I have not pruned those back yet, and I'm understanding maybe from previous callers that maybe I should wait and do that in late February, March? Yeah, you could certainly do that, or you don't really need to prune them. It's not essential. Cutting off the old flower, you know, buds, the, you know, finished flowers, that's an aesthetic thing that you want to do. But as far as just pruning in general, you don't need to do that. Okay, but cutting off the the, currently the the old flowers, as you say, uh, are still are there. They're brown and they're dead, obviously. But, right. Uh, those I should snip off, but leave the rest there? Yeah, you could cut. And uh, again, you don't even have to do the flowers. It's really an aesthetic call more so than anything else. And Okay. So, yeah, exactly. So that the flowers themselves will eventually, what, wither away? And yeah, new, new they'll just kind of shatter and end up on the ground. Okay, gotcha. And then uh, uh, like I said, they, the second year they came in really just beautiful, but they're basically long, a beautiful ball of flowers on a long stick is basically what they are. Right, exactly. Okay, all right, sounds good. I appreciate the call. All sure. right. uh, I guess I called you. Yep. <laughs> appreciate it. 
My Thank pleasure. You. Thanks, Jay. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, man, I, I we bought this hibiscus uh, plant from uh, Home Depot. You know, it's a kind that's got like, the, the, the trunk is like twined with three, you know, like three, they're twined going up, okay? Right. And then I, I transplanted it in the next bigger pot. Uh, it's in a 14-inch pot with the uh, garden mix and all that, you know. And, man, it did beautiful outside. I mean, it, it I got like about, about five inches of fresh growth on it uh, this year. So we brought it in. Mm-hmm. And now, holy cow, man, the, the thing is losing leaves like you would not believe. I mean, it, it's getting to the point now where it's almost bald. <laughs> and the leaves are turning yellow. Am I overwatering it or what? Well, you may be overwatering it, but that's what historically happens with a hibiscus, whether you, the type that you got or any of any of the tropical ones, once you bring them outside, they love it here. It's nice and hot and humid, like right. where they're from, Florida. You bring them inside, and it's a totally different world, light-wise, you know, temperature-wise and everything else, and that's what happens. They just they defoliate, whether the, you're growing them in your own house or even with the ones that were in the Climatron or at the Botanical Garden inside, they defoliated as well. So just watch out. Make sure you don't overwater. But uh, just you know, know that this is going to happen. So it's nice to bring them inside, but probably put them in some place where you don't have to see them all the time. Because like you said, yeah. they aesthetically kind of look, ugh. Yeah, we, we got it right in front of the glass sliding window, which faces south, right. which is good. But uh, how do I know when to water it, though, Mike? I mean, the ground, the, you know, the soil in there is dry as a bone, but yet it's not creeping in away from the pot. You know what I mean? Right. So I would just, my tendency would be to always underwater as opposed to overwater. So okay. I would say, you know, maybe every, you know, once, it's hard to say without knowing exactly what type of potting mix that you put it into. But uh, f- first of all, in the future, don't transplant something right before you bring it inside, whether you put it into a bigger pot or anything else. That's the worst thing you can possibly do because it kind of, oh. sh- you know, shakes them up a little bit. But so consequently, just leave it alone when you, you know, and then maybe every few weeks go ahead and take your finger and push it down a little bit and see if you feel any dampness. But they can handle a, a drier soil rather than a wetter soil. So okay. then really water okay. it well, and then don't water it again for, like, multiple weeks. Oh, okay, okay. I'll do so. And, by the way, Lynn Hudson says hello. <laughs> oh, great. Well, that's great. perfect. Thanks. Okay, take care. Thank you. Sure. Yes, folks, if you do have questions or concerns about the outdoors, was there any damage uh, to your landscape, to your trees or anything? Like I said, I was looking out uh, this morning as I was leaving, and even though it was still dark, I mean, that's the one thing about this time of year. That When I head out for my good gardening stroll, it is really, really dark, and especially on days when it's cloudy like this. It looks like the clouds may be thinning out just a little bit, but uh, consequently, you know, to look out into the park, I didn't see any major damage. To, you know, the lighting was, of course, by the streetlights to the trees, and that was really surprising because those gusts of wind were really strong. 
And uh, the one bad thing about the gusts of wind is if <laughs> we just about had all the leaves taken care of from our side of the street. Several people blow the leaves back into the park and, and things along that way. And I use my mulching mower, and then I pick up some of the leaves, too. And to be honest with you, I rake some leaves out in the street and just let cars going by crush the leaves and turn them into you know, debris themselves. So anyway, if you have questions, 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, we do have some phone lines open. And Megan, before you take off, you guys do holiday decorations on the outside of your house and inside both? Well, we usually do. This year, we've been awful about it. Our house looks pitiful. We don't have a thing up yet. Nothing. No. And the, <laughs> and because of that, the elves, the elf on the shelf has not come to our house yet. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so aren't yeah. the kids going nuts? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I would think. Yeah, it's a little depressing. <laughs> so I, I need to get on it this weekend. Right. Right after you leave here, I'm uh-huh, assuming. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. great. Well, thanks, Megan. <laughs> yes, folks. And thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds for annuals. Annuals are still looking good, meaning pansies of fall-type annuals. Well, the mums are about finished. The asters are about finished. So it's going to be just the annual type of flowering, fall, you know, foliage, plants, flowers, whatever. And uh, your bulbs, yes, you should have already taken or dug up your uh, summer bulbs. Well, you don't have to. There's plenty of ple- you know, people that I see where they leave their cannas and caladiums and things like that in the ground. Uh, I take mine out of pots and bring them inside myself, but it's just my own personal choice. Your ground covers, just watch out about the leaf debris building up too much on your ground covers because it can create humidity and that can create a problem related to fungus. Your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is Alex. He's producing today, and uh, basically what that means is he answers the phone, he pushes all the buttons and everything else, and all I have to do is talk to you. And when you call, he just needs your first name. Uh, During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, where my email address and phone number are listed. You can contact me, and we'll set up a time. Also, if you'd like to give a gift certificate, you can just email me or call me, and I can send email you back a gift certificate you could give some, to somebody for a present this time of year. It's the holiday season. But anyway, Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. When we have weather like this, the people that have to respond to these damaged circumstances, I mean, the tip of the trial has to go out to these people because, I, mean, I mean, they're putting their life in a real sort of dangerous situation many times because 
you, they never know what's going to be, you know, if there's going to be another, let's say, tornado or another wind or whatever. So consequently, a tip of the trial goes out to all those workers that help us get through these crazy circumstances. So I greatly appreciate that. And also, I want to say, Tracy, my wife, her birthday is next Tuesday. And I want to say, happy birthday, Tracy. I want to say it on the air. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of a nutty guy. And sometimes she has to put up with my nuttiness. And I'm sorry for being so nutty many times. But anyway, happy birthday, Tracy, next Tuesday. And Tracy teaches swimming at the Y. She's got to teach some swimming lessons on her birthday. So we're going to go ahead and celebrate her birthday on Wednesday, but her birthday is Tuesday. So happy birthday, Tracy. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And let's go over and go ahead and Bill has called and see what's going on with Bill. Hi, Bill. Hey, Mike, what's going on this morning? Uh, not too much. Just looking out the window, the, the park across the street here at, behind Soldiers Memorial. Hardly any leaves yeah. on the trees. Yeah. Well, thank God we survived the storm last night. Uh, it was, it was kind of crazy for, there, for a minute. Uh, I got a question about these moles. They're still going crazy in my yard. I guess they'll do that until the ground freezes. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. I woke up this morning with just trails all over the place. Like they're they're extra busy now because they know the ground's getting ready to freeze. Right. But uh, what's a good deterrent for them? I know you got to get rid of the grubs, take away their food source. Well, the grubs are other- a minor, very minor food source for the moles. So getting rid of okay. the grubs does not really get rid of moles. Their main source yeah. of food is earthworms. So they will continue okay. looking for food as long as the ground is not frozen because what they do is they have really sensitive ears and they can hear the earthworms tunneling through the ground, and that's where their tunnels head towards. Yeah, we, got it. we need the earthworms, though. Yes, right, but, exactly. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, I appreciate your service. Happy birthday to uh, Mrs. Miller. Um, <laughs> hope everybody's safe, and God bless our first responders for all you do. Right. I agree. So, that, I mean, that's amazing. Thanks. I, I yeah, uh, thanks. incredible. Thanks for taking my questions. Sure. My pleasure. So in other words, basically what you do is, you know, with the mole situation, traps are really the only thing that's effective. Now, there are other things, you know, gels that you can inject into the tunnels. But the, what you have to do is whether, regardless of what you're going to go after the moles with, whether it's, a, let's say, mothballs or an injection of something, a poison that smells like earthworms and you j- inject it into the tunnel. You have to flatten out the tunnels and then consequently watch for the ones to pop up. And that means they're using that particular tunnel at that particular time. And for people that don't uh, haven't listened to the show ever, those piles of dirt just mean that the moles have two separate tunnels. The one that pops up, at the surface, that's their feeding tunnel. And then they have a tunnel, more or less a highway, below the other one that heads them back, that they can head back to their den where they do some sleeping. So they do, I mean, it's not like they just sleep in the tunnels. There's two different systems. So those, you know, characters are really kind of wild and nutty. Let's see, probably we should just go ahead and take a break. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. 
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And although poinsettias really dominate the flowering plant sales this time of year in the holiday season, you know, the Christmas and Thanksgiving cactus, they are really unbelievable. Here's a few things about uh, the holiday cactus. Basically, there are cactus, yes, but they are closely related to each other. They're epiphytics. Epiphytics and uh, consequently, what that means is they don't really grow on in the ground; they grow on other plants. So they grow in crevices and trees and branches where the branches develop. Their native habitat is a shady situation that's fairly humid. They're native to the coastal mountain area of southeastern Brazil, basically around Rio de Janeiro. Cool temperatures are consistent, and that's what triggers the bud development. The flower buds won't develop when the nighttime temperatures are above 70 degrees. So that's one of the things you have to watch out for yourself. So when the nighttime temperatures start cooling down, and uh, you know, then that's you'll see the buds form. And what happens sometimes, though, you can buy them, and they're budded when you buy them in a retail circumstance, but if you bring them home and put them in a room that's too warm, those flower buds are just going to drop off. So you got to keep them in a cool room and close to a cool window. And definitely never place them where there's any kind of hot air coming out of heat vents or anything else or appliances. So the flowering, I mean, the flower buds are triggered, again, by the length of day. So it's not only the cool temperatures, but it's kind of like the poinsettias where you have to put them in the dark for 12 hours in life for 12 hours because where they're native to, their flowers are going to be formed because of the way that location where the days are really shorter than the night times. So Thanksgiving leaflets are a little bit different than the Christmas cactus. They have a little bit more points to them. So and as the plants mature, the branches will have a tendency to arch downward, resulting in a really graceful appearance. And with age, those stems become thick and woody, and that what that does is just make them strong enough to support the new growth. So, again, it's cool temperatures and the length of day. You want to have them short, short time of sunlight. So it is a little bit of a maneuvering circumstance. And uh, so, if you're into the Christmas or cactus or, <laughs> or Christmas cactus or Thanksgiving cactus, it blooms. Thanksgiving cactus just blooms about a month or so earlier than the Christmas cactus. But anyway, let's go to the phones now. Let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello. Hi. Uh, I want to follow up on the mold situation. I tried smoking them out. That didn't work. I put a hose in the in the in the ground, and it just it just went. I don't know where it went to. It disappeared. The water disappeared. <laughs> so traps. That's the way to go. Right. Okay. Um, uh, I've been raking my leaves and putting them uh, where my garden is, but I haven't been uh, uh, mulching them. I, what, what happens? I heard you say I could get mold developing. Is that is that a concern? Yeah, it is. Depending upon what type of leaves they are, and you know how deep you're actually going to make them. So, I mean, ultimately, if they you know if you can work them into the soil, that would be to the advantage of using them. But yeah, I mean the humidity. 
created by just a, the leaves because you can go out there and if you have a pile of leaves and this is like I learned this even as a kid before I even knew about horticulture. We lived in Maple Lane in Ellisville, huge amount of we had lots of trees and we'd rake the leaves up into huge piles and then go diving into them. But uh, after a while, th- those piles would get humid. And even as a kid, we'd come out of the piles after diving into them and get damp and wet. And that's what can happen to the soil. And that can do some damage to your soil by just piling up leaves in a, you know, a situation like that. Mm, yeah, it's about a foot, about a foot deep. Uh, that's not, probably not. I wouldn't worry about a foot, but I wouldn't let them get too much higher than that. And okay. a, again, as the... Maple leaves break down really quickly. Oak leaves last for a long, long time in comparison to some of the other leaves. Some leaves um, from certain trees start biodegrading pretty soon after they fall from the tree. I mean, not immediately, but sooner. And then other ones can last through the entire wintertime. And the ones that last longer are the ones that create a more human circumstance. Right, I was trying to I'm trying to keep out the oak leaves. That's a different part of the yard, so uh, I've been you know just cutting those up and and then uh, bagging them. Perfect. Uh, but the other other ones, they are uh, maple and uh, uh, sweet gum. Uh, sweet gum, okay. Yeah, that should be fine. Get, yeah. Trying to keep trying trying to keep the balls out of there too. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks. For the answer. And happy birthday to Miss Miller. Well, th- great. Thanks. <laughs> She'll appreciate that. And uh, let's head over now to Robert's yard. Hi, Robert. Hello. Yeah, I I got a uh, a cypress tree. The roots are starting to take over the yard, servicing, and uh, you almost need a full-wheel drive to mow it. What's, what's a good uh, – can I cut them out? With a stump grinder, a small stump grinder, and when when's a good time to do something like that? Well, if you start doing that, basically, I mean, the tree that you're growing is one that's native to a swampy area. That's why they have the surface roots so they can actually get moisture, or I mean, get air into the you know into the tree because of it being in a swamp underneath water. There's that's basically what they do. That's why they put these knees up. But if you start cutting too many of the roots, then it could cause damage to the tree just in general. So I know there it's a real hassle, and people, you know, generally should understand or know when you're sold a tree like that, it's going to happen, but it doesn't happen immediately. But consequently, surface roots, you can go ahead and try to get rid of some of them if you want. But if you start to see the tree starting to decline, then you'll know why. Okay, yeah, the, the, I just bought the house, and the tree's been there. Oh, so. I see. Oh, yeah, okay. That. Well, I appreciate the info. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. There, I mean, certain trees are just really like I said. Bald cypress is. I mean, they're they're great trees. They're spectacular, good color, and everything else. But boy, oh boy, those roots can just keep going and going and going. And remember, the lateral growth of the tree branches. The root system will generally just go, you know, beyond how far out the branches go. And that's where the feeder roots are. And then with certain trees, you're going to have more surface roots than the others. And it's not just, you know, the swamp growers or something like that. It can be other ones as well because a lot of them are going to grow the root system on the surface because our soils are so dense, like heavy clay soils. They just don't penetrate down that deep. So just, I mean, like certainly maple trees and other trees 
can't have surface roots and they're not because they're in a, you know, let's say a habitat of uh, swampiness. But they can be, it can be really aggravating because, I mean, to have successful lawn in this situation is going to be really, really minimal. So if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, one of the things that fallen leaves that blow across your yard can tell you is if you start to see an accumulation of leaves in an area that you don't understand why they should be accumulating there and there's no other leaves around them. Well, probably what that spot is is a low spot. So the wind blew them into that low spot, and then consequently they're low enough now that the wind can't move them around anymore. So that's a really good indication that you can get out there and actually do some filling and grading in these low spots. So in other words, we can learn something from the leaves other than the aggravation of having to, let's say, turn them into mulch or ever. Not that it's aggravation or anything else, but that's really a good way. I got one spot in my front yard. I got a slope coming up off the street, and there was one spot. And I couldn't figure out why those leaves were accumulating. And then now I remember what it was. Is there was a, a shrub there. I took the shrub out. And then consequently, I backfilled it. I thought I overfilled it and everything else. But actually, it all settled down, and now it's a little bit low. So one of the things I'm going to be doing this winter is taking care of that low spot. And the leaves blowing across the street from Christie Park told me that this is one of the spots that you should take care of because low spots in your lawn can cause problems with fungus and things along that line. And I, you know, so... Oh, you never stop learning. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have phone lines open. If you are growing strawberries, what you need to do is protect your strawberries by putting a layer of straw. And that prevents damage due to to the crowns of your strawberry plants. And what it does is also by the straw, you're not going to put a whole lot on there. You just want enough so when you look back over it, it kind of hides the strawberry foliage. So not too deep because, again, it's a fungus problem that you know can really make more trouble than what it's worth. So just keep that in mind. So a nice thin layer of straw across that. What it does is prevents a little bit of the heaving and thawing of the soil through our winter time. So another thing, what you do is when you're looking at plant material, let's say a tree, and you're buying a tree at a nursery, always check to see if they've got a spot painted on the trunk of that tree. And consequently, that indicates that spot should be headed towards the south because that's the direction it was grown when it was in the production nursery. Because if you don't, the chances of that getting a frost crack or something along that line or sun scalding is really important. So that with fruit trees, shade trees, or anything else. But fruit trees are really especially susceptible to this. So you can wrap the tree trunks with wrap if you want to. But also what you can do is just get some PVC pipe, like six inch or so, split it corrugated, split it and wrap it around the trunk, and that prevents the sun from hitting that particular you know, spot along your trunk. But uh, finally, slowly but surely, uh, the tree trunk, the bark will acclimate, 
and won't split as a result of that. So just keep that in mind. And if you've got a leftover seed that you've collected, let's say whether it's zinnia seeds, whether it's uh, hyacinth bean seeds, you know, hyacinth bean vine seeds or whatever it is, just make sure that you're going to store them in a, you know, a dry area. And if you want to, you can store them just in the garage, which is fine. Some people store them in a refrigerator, which I don't, we don't have that much space in our refrigerator to store them in there. But definitely don't put any kind of seed that you're trying to save, whether it's packets of seed or seed you've collected in the freezer. That's not what you want to do. Let's head now over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Uh, yes, last year my backyard was inundated with crabgrass. Well, I put down um, uh, supposedly a crabgrass killer, and I pulled some of it out. What's the best thing next spring to put down to eliminate it? Basically, just uh, what you want to do is when the forsythia, yellow forsythia shrubs in bloom, if you don't have any in your own yard, just some that are close by in the neighborhood, that indicates your soil temperatures is getting above 50 degrees, and that can trigger the germination of the seed. So you want to put that down at that particular time. And the best time to do it is, you know, right then. And put a pre-emergent down. Okay. I don't know what Frisius looks like. What's what's the best soil temperature to put it down? Uh, probably when the soil gets above 50 degrees or so. Consistent oh, okay. for, you know, consistent, you know, consistently. And I'm saying do it early in the season because when you've got the crabgrass, normally that's a warm season grass. And but understand that you know there's about seven or eight different kinds of well there's actually more than that so again the pre-emergent goes down get a soil thermometer and just check it at a couple different places in your lawn and when you've got several days in a row four or five days in a row where the soil temperature is above 50 degrees that's when the pre-emergent should be spread. Look, do you have a recommendation for which pre-emergent? Uh, no. I mean, just go to your favorite garden center. There's oh, okay. pl- there's lots of different companies, and the pre-emergent is, you know, they're all going to be kind of, whether they're made by Bayer's or whether they're made by another company or anything else. So it's just uh, a pre-emergent is a pre-emergent. Okay, thanks. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, you know, aggravation, but uh, the crabgrass is, you know, what other weeds that you're going to get rid of, by putting a pre-emergent down when the soil temperature is, as I just explained, or when the forsythia is in bloom, there's spurge, there's ragweed, there's purslane, there's knotweed, there's lamb's quarter, there's carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, and the violets too. So that's, you know, those are the warm season annual weeds. So those germinate, grow, and then when the weather starts getting cool, then they sort of start disappearing. And then that's when the cool season annual weeds start erupting, which is going to be, you know, in August. But that's just amazing that these things have, you know, I mean, they self-produce themselves. They grow, they produce seed, they drop the seed, then they die off. But the seed, you know, just lays there, can lay there through the entire wintertime and doesn't start germinating till the next, till the soil starts warming up the following year. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're thinking about all this stuff. Yeah, well, let's head over to Leo's yard. Hi, Leo. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Very good. Um, about three years ago, my daughter had a wedding, and I did a bunch of landscaping uh, with boulders and all kinds of ornamentals and things. But 
it's turned out to be kind of a, a bugger to take care of. Um, so I was going to rework it in the spring. I was wondering about, uh, I got a bunch of bird nest spruces and mugo pines. Uh, I know I can't transplant them now, or I could, but I'm not ready for it. So do I dig them up in the spring, and will they transplant well then, or do I, because uh, I'd, you know, I'd like to get rolling next spring, right. or what do I what do I do with them? In the past, I've 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 got these little Mister Turtle pools that I uh, use as my when I do a bunch of transplanting. I, you know, I drill holes in the bottom of that, put my plants in, and then spread compost inside there. That way, I can water the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Should I do that all spring, or you know, through the summer, or what's a recommendation there? Well, if you can do, if you got a chance to d- dig them up in the you know early spring, and you can move them at that time if you want to do it then. So, okay. I mean, well, I, I know. Oh, go ahead. They always say to plant. They always say to plant in the fall. So I just didn't know. If, well, that's the ideal you know, time. But when it's you know the soil is still cool, then you got you just can't do it. You know the disadvantage of planting. You know a lot of things in the springtime is the fact that we're the plant material is going to be facing our summer, and heavens knows we don't know have any idea what summer is going to be like. So that could be you know detrimental. So you could do what you're doing. Or you could just dig them up and put them in individual pots, but it sounds like you've got a system that you've been happy with that has worked for you in the past. And then do right. the installation sometime mid to late August at the earliest, all the way up through the, this time of year until the ground freezes. So you've got three or four months to do the transplanting after you've dug them up. But dig them up. Make sure you water them the the you know the day or two before. That you're going to dig them up so you can and go out a little bit extra, making sure that you they've been in the ground for you said one year since your daughter got three, married. Three, three years. So the root system is probably fairly established. Just make sure you get as much of the root system as you possibly can, and probably depth wise with the mugo pine and the bird nest spruce, they don't have really deep root systems, but uh, at least one full spade depth. And then, you know, kind of work your way around and then, you know, pop them up out of the ground. 10-4. Yeah, sometimes not the prettiest uh, landscaping isn't the easiest to take care of. You, know, so. <laughs> you aren't kidding. <laughs> and then one real quick one. I got, a, I got a bed on the northeast side of the house. Part of it's underneath the shade tree, too. It's got English ivy and vinca on the one side, and then I had sedum in the other. And then uh, somehow some rabbit foot clover got in it and... Ooh wild strawberry and that that uh, sedum is so tender that if you go to you know you go in to try to weed it by hand it it uh you know you're half the time i'm pulling a lot of sedum out too right um do you have a recommendation because i know i can't you know with so many different plants it's not like i can hit it with a, a targeted uh herbicide so right or do i just blow the thing up and <laughs> <laughs> redo, redo that when I do the rest of it. So. Yeah, I would probably. Yeah, in a circumstance like that, you've got a really difficult, you know, situation. So consequently, just realize that. And I don't know how big this area is, but if you've got, you know, the wild strawberries and stuff like that, I mean, they're rampant as far as they send out runners. And so you think you've yep. got the plant out of there, but there's still two that were six or eight inches away that were back to, you know, uh, stem went from the mother plant. So it's yes, just sir. going to be a you know a total nightmare you know to, regardless of however you go about it. 
All right. Well, that's what I thought it was. But yeah. I thought I'd ask a pro. So. <laughs> what you can okay. do is, I don't know if this particular type of sedum you really like, but you can go after it. And whatever kind of damage there is to the sedum, fine, but maybe just get a better variety of sedum, like a, one of the evergreen-type sedums for the future. And then if it reoccurs again, then you've got a, a plant that can handle you know, the, the weeding that you're doing. Right, yeah. I, I just Because, you know, they're supposed to be a pretty good ground cover for choking out other stuff, but they must not have been thick enough and, you know, that weed seed got in introduced and then right. it's game over so well a lot of times these ground covers with that advertisement saying they control weeds is not really very true i learned that all right <laughs> well thanks have a good holiday sure thanks leo yeah nothing teaches like practical experience so um right so good luck with that and thanks. probably Bye. we'll go ahead and take a break. Mike Miller, K and Walks Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got a few minutes. If you have a question or concern, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over and see what's going on in Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Oh, Barb, you already gone? Oops. Let's head over to Brian's. Hi, Brian. Good morning. I've got a, kind of an unusual question to ask you. I've got three trees in my front yard. Two of them are white oaks, and the other one I'm thinking, I'm not sure what it is, it produces acorns. But my question is, um, I've got a bunch of squirrels that like to come in my yard and feed on stuff, and I've found a couple of dead ones in my yard, and it's like the squirrels aren't even bothering to eat these things or nothing. And I'm wondering, could there possibly be something wrong with this tree that produces the acorns that actually are toxic to these squirrels? I've never heard of anything like that before. So the reason why they're dying, I'm not exactly sure what that could be, but I don't think it's related to, you know, eating your acorns. Okay, because what I've been doing is I've been putting unsalted sunflower seed kernels in like three different piles, and I mean, they're going for those things like they're starving. (laughs) And I'm like... You know, it's because it looks like they're not eating the acorns. I mean, there's acorns all over my freaking yard. I've been having to rake them up and rake them up and rake them up, and they're not touching them at all. Yeah, usually they won't eat them if they're on the ground. They have a tendency to eat them while they're still on the tree. So uh, uh, so then uh, then I wonder why the heck they bury them in the ground. Like they they think they're really going to find them in the winter. No. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Well, they're, they're just burying them because they're trying to get another tree growing. So that's oh. not like they don't plan on going. But let's see, where did I put that? That was only 12 feet away from this or that. No, they're yeah, just digging. Okay. And that's just like a survival type thing. Oh, okay. Thanks for the info. Now, I know I just, that's kind of weird, but I thought, oh, well, maybe they're just picky eaters like human beings are. I don't know. But, <laughs> all right. Thank you for the info. I appreciate it. Sure. I, yeah, a lot of times when I walk underneath you know, oak trees, you can see a, a lot of like yellowish let's say litter on the ground and that's where the you know the squirrel's been up there chewing on the acorns in the tree and so the debris is down underneath let's head over to bob's yard now hi bob hey good morning mike hi uh yeah the question i have is uh what would you consider the most perfect tree for like a a uh, residential front yard for shade or just uh just to have a tree there uh, probably how big's a first of all how big's a yard that would be my well, my concern. 
But uh, okay, I got plenty of room. Uh, you know, I got plenty of room from the curb to the house is about seventy feet. Oh, so, so uh, you know, my. You know, I mean, my tendency was if you're going to have a tree that's going to be enjoyable would be to go for a tree that's more ornamental than a major tree that's going to create shade. I mean, shade trees are fine. You can watch them grow and everything else, and it's going to be a while before they get just big. But I'm not a real fan of trunks of trees and things along that line. They're, I mean, I, they're wonderful. I like the shade and everything. But I'd prefer to have a tree that's going to stay probably 20 or 25 feet high at the maximum that's going to give me some seasonal color as far as the foliage goes, as well as flowering. Yes. Um, I believe I've heard you mention a tree called serviceberry. Yes, exactly. So, so would you kind of recommend something like that? Yeah, maybe a cluster of three of them together, and then with uh, you know ground cover in between all three of them. That's what, you know, yeah, that, that would be my choice. Yeah. Very interesting. Um are they uh, will they survive in like uh, uh, clay soil? Well, you're going to have to dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, and only eighty percent is deep. But yeah, I mean they can. I mean clay soil is kind of what's native to here, and though they do grow, their native habitat is on the front edge of woods, and that's going to not be quite as dense and heavy as the clay soil. As you prepare the soil. Like I said, three times the diameter of the root ball, that will give it a chance to send out the lateral roots, and then it will migrate out into the clay. And they can take full sun. Yes, they can take full sun. Well, wonderful, Fold. That really really answered my question. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Happy holiday. Yeah, and another option would be, but say you wanted to do something a little bit different, would be maybe consider some of the crab apples. Crab apples I don't necessarily like because they're a little bit more prone to disease problems, so that's why I don't recommend that, but the service berry. Let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Uh, Don't tell me. uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I don't know. I thought it was lost. Okay. I have three fiddle leaf uh, plants that are about four to five feet tall. How can I tell when they have uh, have enough water? Uh, Basically, just you can watch the interior of the pot, and when it starts shrinking away a little bit from the inside of the pot, the potting mix, then you can water them. But for the fiddle leaf figs, again, you know, the ficus whole family, the whole group of them, really don't need a whole lot of water. So they're pretty good size. Yeah. They have huge leaves, as you well know. So yeah. just just watch on the inside of the leaf or inside of the pot, and when that starts seeing a little gap between the inside of the pot and the potting mix, water them at that time. Okay. Same thing with the uh, palm, palm, palm tree bushes. Or I can't say they got a huge bulb. Uh, ha- how much water do they need? Yeah, again, it's going to be uh, you know just a question of basically anything inside the house really doesn't need a whole lot of water. People have a tendency to overwater, and that's going to be more problematic. So just yeah, don't. Okay. So underwatering okay. is better than overwatering. Thank you. I'm probably overwatering then. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And, Jan, I don't think we're going to get a chance to get to you, but uh, hopefully the Garden Hotline will be back next week, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Again, thanks to everybody, and I want to say happy birthday to Tracy, my wife. Her birthday is going to be Tuesday. And... uh, 
I, I appreciate all the holiday decorations people are putting out. We do have some out ourselves. I do a little bit of craziness, but uh, that's what it's all about, doing something that you just enjoy. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.